Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. And you can really represent your brand across all facets, from typography to all the imagery. And so I think always do a Shopify store in tandem with an Etsy store. Hey, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn how you can attract wholesale clients through Etsy, how to make sure your differentiators are clear to first-time visitors, and how to hire and ramp up temporary workers. Today, I'm joined by Tamara Main from Brooklyn Candle Studio. Brooklyn Candle Studio sells deliciously scented, eco-friendly soy candles and was started in 2013 and based out of Brooklyn, New York. Welcome. Thank you. So tell us a bit more about the, the business and what are some of the, what is the most popular product that, that you sell in your store currently? So the business, we, we make, you know, as, a, as you just said, handmade soy candles. Um, they're very... You know, we use nat- natural ingredients, up to like free fragrances, um, really uh, domestic, domestically grown soy. Um, and our most popular product is our Fernand Moss candle, our mason jar candle. Um, it's kind of a very wonderful unisex scent, notes of oak moss um, and spruce. And it's a very naturey scent. It was inspired by a hike uh, in Fern Valley, California. So, um, yeah, that's that's a our most beloved item. Mm-hmm. Now, were you selling these products offline to start? Like, how did you get your your start with uh, with the business? Uh, I started on Etsy. Actually, um, I kind of just I started making candles for fun, and it was really kind of a, a hobby at first. Something I started making them as gifts for for Christmas um, the year before. And I got very uh, kind of obsessed with mixing, learning how to make sense and, you know, learning about the different ingredients and creating these candles that were eco-friendly, that used cotton braided wicks, uh, soy wax, um, because a lot of the stuff you find in the stores aren't, don't really use the best, the best ingredients. Um, so I started I, making these candles and I had a whole bunch and I, I was a designer before, so I designed some packaging and I decided to kind of throw up an Etsy shop just for fun. You know, it was kind of almost a joke. I was like, oh, I wonder if I can sell these candles on the internet where no one mm-hmm. can smell them. Um, and yeah, they actually kind of took off. Uh, Etsy featured us in a couple of emails. And, um, you know, we, we ended up getting a lot of, I ended up getting a lot of requests from buyers of retail stores. Um, and it got to the point where I had to quit my job um, so yeah, once once um, you know sales were were getting crazy, and I had to, I wanted to kind of parlay things into my own e-commerce shop, and, and that's kind of where Shopify came in. Yeah, I, I've heard of of retailers that shopping on Etsy to look for for producers for people like you to to carry. I, I didn't realize that existed until I heard it a few times from other successful Etsy sellers. What was that experience like? How did you? What what do you think made them attracted to working with with you specifically? I think that they were attracted to kind of multiple 
aspects of my business. Um, one, I think beautifully designed products. Um, you know, I was, I, I paid really close attention to the typography and the kind of the balance and the aesthetics of, of my products. Um, so that's number one. Number two are the scents. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there in the home fragrance market that's kind of very, um, cloying, uh, very unnatural, like, you know, cake smelling stuff. And I kind of wanted to go, you know, I wanted to kind of go on a more botanical angle. Um, so a lot of our stuff are, are made with in, uh, essential oil infused fragrances. Um, and then also, you know, the eco-friendly aspect, um, our candles are made with domestically grown soy, which is a sustainable ingredient. Um, and it's, it's kind of when you burn the candle, it burns a lot cleaner. It doesn't emit carcinogens into the air as uh, paraffin wax does. Uh, we, we also use cotton braided wicks, um, which is, which are made in the U S uh, you know, they don't release lead as other candles do. Um, you know, so that's, there's multiple aspects. I think that people are looking for now, all these differentiators that you listed. Did you know that your, your customers before you, of course you open and before the success, did you know that the customers cared about these, uh, differentiators that, that you listed? Uh, I did, you know, I think, um, it kind of shows with, you know, markets like whole foods that focus on organic ingredients or all natural products. Um, and I, I'm kind of part of that, that target audience as well. Um, I'm very conscious about what I purchase and, and I know a lot of people that are, um, especially living in Brooklyn and New York city. Uh, it's something that people are very concerned about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wanted to make a product that I would use and I've researched the ingredients. I researched fragrances. I researched, you know, all the different, um, materials you can use and, and wanted to make them as, as, safe and um, eco-friendly as possible. Mm. Now, now that you you knew that there was a, a need for this kind of differentiator because you did the research and of course you're also your target customer, which I think is, is definitely the, the best place to start from. Uh, how, how did you make sure that these differentiators were clear to the people, especially early on, especially before people knew who you were? How did you make those differentiators clear to people that were visiting, let's say your Etsy uh, store for the first time? I think that, uh, you know, you have your mission statement, you know, you kind of put that in your, all your Google or your metadata descriptions and, and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I always made that, I made that clear in my, on my about page and all the product descriptions. Um, and, and, you know, I, I make, I make it known if you're reading about the product, you read the scent and then you read about the different ingredients, and materials. Um, and so I think that's a very important aspect of, of the candles. It's not just the design. It's not just the scent, but it's also the fact that, you know, these burn for a long time and these ingredients are, are, you know, sustainable and they, you're not really, you know, wasting the earth's resources. They, re, they regrow. Um, and I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Now, were there any, ever any, any differentiators that you, as a, as a consumer of these kind of products that you really, really wanted, you really wanted to exist, you really cared about, but found out that your, your audience, your target customers at large didn't really care for it. Were there any dif differentiators like that? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know that all of them really care so much about the whole eco-friendly aspect. I think they really love that they smell good. And, you know, when they, 
buy them in the store. They smell them and they purchase them. And I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, I think it's kind of an added plus for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's not because we're in kind of not just the kind of health conscious market, but we're also mm-hmm. in more like the fashion market where there are a lot of candles that are popular and out there and just because they have a beautiful design. Mm. Um, so I think that that's kind of one of the more important things to some people. Yeah. And uh, what does that, what does that do when it comes to the way that you represent your brand or in your actual marketing, when you, there is an aspect, which it sounds very important to you, the eco-friendly aspect, but the customers, you know, like you're saying, it's a secondary, it's a nice plus, but it might not get them to actually buy. They might buy more because of the design or the smell. Do you then try to squeeze in the eco-friendly aspect? Do you lead with it because that's what you care about? Like, how does how do you think about positioning or messaging your brand when there are differentiators that you care a lot about, but maybe your customers don't care as much about? I think for me, it's, it's more of a kind of secondary aspect that I always mention in product descriptions, but I, I mostly highlight the, the design aspect of the candles, the design and the fragrance. Um, I think that, you know, for me, I'm a designer, I'm an art director, and design is, is very, very important to me. And, you know, creating a curated environment and having something that's not only kind of a sensory, you know, olfactory experience, but also um, is a can be a beautiful statement piece you know, on your coffee table or on your shelf or in, in a room. Um, I think that's a really great aspect of, of our products. Um, mm-hmm. It just happens that it's important to me that everything is made with, you know, great ingredients as well. Right, makes sense. So you, you start on Etsy, like you're saying, almost as like a joke to see if you could sell these online. How quickly did it take before you started realizing that this is no longer like a joke business? This could be, become an actual like real business. Yeah, um, it was during the holiday season. Um, it kind of started escalating after around November, December. And, and you were in business for how long by this point? Just a few months, like two or three months. Okay. Um, so I, I got a few orders around October on Etsy, and you know, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't going to quit my job. But, um, you know, November and December, things got really crazy. Um, you know, I was my entire apartment was covered in, in candles. You know, my husband, who is my boyfriend at the time, um, he was helping me wick just like countless jars <laughs> and our floors were covered. And it, it was at the point, it was probably about, um, I think six months after I, I opened the Etsy shop, I got this big order for like, I think it was like $4,000 worth of candles. And I was like, this is more than my, you know, like monthly paycheck. Mm. <laughs> I could totally just, you know, do this because I can make these candles in like four days. Um, so it was at that point where I was like, you know what, I can quit my job, um, you know, if this keeps going. And it didn't keep going right away. It was kind of just like a one-off. But eventually after a, a year, I, I was able to quit my full-time job and, and do this full-time. Mm-hmm. Now, what were you looking for before you quit your job? Was it that kind of repeat enough uh, monthly revenue that or that matched your, your income? Just more consistency. Um, you know, I got one really big order and then it was kind of, I, I, I realized that I got, I ended up doing, I was doing freelance design work at the same time as running the business. So I was kind of doing both. Um, I realized that I couldn't do candle making full time until I really got the name out there. 
Um, so I, until I really started pushing my brand and I really wanted to kind of, I started out with different branding at the beginning and I didn't love it so much. And I really wanted to create something that I, that I really, really loved. And so that took a lot of time to really create our, the branding and the packaging and, and something, you know, all the vintage inspired botanical stuff. And, um, so it took me about six months beyond you know, the first time I quit my job to, to really, um, get to a point packaging uh, branding wise where I was really happy with mm. what we found. Now for, for people out there that are creating their branding for the first time or recreating it as you did, how, how do you, how do you, how do you, I guess, work through this process when you're, let's say in the middle of rebranding, but your assets or, you know, your old assets and you're trying to move towards new ones. Like, what's that middle period like when you're going through this transition of, of your branding? That was pretty hard because, you know, some people really loved my old designs, but, you know, you can't have, branding needs to be very consistent. Um, it needs to be a kind of bold statement, I think, just and very, like, continuous across all aspects. So you can't have just, like, this, my old canvases were these colorful and they were totally different style and the new ones, which are, you know, more minimal, um, kind of more refined. So basically I just dropped all my old stuff and I just put up my new stuff. And, um, you know, I started doing some serious sales after I, uh, finished, um, my new branding. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think that my business was established enough to really, you know, needed to, have retained the old stuff you know i was it was at a point where i wasn't really out there enough where i i couldn't drop it so right. i was just i'm just gonna drop all this old stuff and put it and really push this new stuff right you could kind of do like a hard cut off and transition over makes sense now when you were first starting your etsy store do you remember what like how were you getting traffic where were they coming from at times especially when you're only a couple months in you're a new brand people probably haven't heard of you before at that time how were people finding your your listing what do you think helped you know this is partly where luck comes in um and partly you know some research um i went to a couple etsy workshops and they did a lot of um talking about keywords and they kind of taught you how to um, optimize your keywords, um, make your stuff easy to find, really make sure your store is like trustworthy. Um, and one thing that I worked on a lot was the photography, the product photography. I, I read it like five times, you know, I, I tried it in studio lighting and then I tried it in natural lighting and, and you know, whatever was getting the most traffic, I would kind of work on that um, and kind of optimize that. But, um, where the luck comes in is, you know, after I did all that stuff, Etsy ended up featuring me in a couple of emails, um, for the, during the holidays. Um, and that was like pure luck because I didn't reach out to them or anything about that. They just kind of found my product. And then that was probably the photography too. You know, once I had really good photography, you know, they want to feature you in their emails because you make them look good. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, they sent out an email blast to however many thousands of people and some of my candles were on it and I just got crazy orders from that. Um, and so that was, that was, that was one thing. Um, I also did reach out to a few, I reached out to Brooklyn based and a couple other press outlets. Um, just, you know, telling people about, about the candles I was doing. And I was also doing markets. Um, I did artists and fleas and, um, 
a couple other kind of independent markets just to meet people and, and tell them about my brand. So um, that's what I did initially. I have other, other things that I did after I did the rebrand that, that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And when you were reaching out to press, was it like all local press at the time? Like what, what kind of press were you, were you going for? No, just like local press. I just reached out to Brooklyn based um, and you know, they did a feature on, on a collaboration I was doing with a friend of mine who, who makes ceramics. Um, but I didn't get, I didn't get a ton at that point. I just, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't super aggressive. It was just a couple of different, um, publications. Mm-hmm. Now the, the retailers that started finding your listing, was this after the holiday season or what, what, what I guess led them to, to discover, discover you? There was a few that found me during the holiday season. Um, you know, I think they were just looking for soy candles or candles or Christmas candles. Um, and usually during the time where Christmas is our, is our crazy or busiest time of year. I think what happens is a lot of people are just Googling candles and they want candles quickly. And they're just like, I need candles now. Um, and so I think they were searching, you know, candles and Christmas candles in particular. And when I, w- and I had a Christmas tree candle that was, you know, crazy popular. I was just making tons and tons of those. Mm. Now, how do you work with these retailers? Are they just buying from you wholesale? Like, is there a specific kind of arrangement you try to set up? Um, it's just, we just sell wholesale now. Um, you know, we, I did consignment at one point and I didn't really like, I don't really like that relationship. Um, you know, it's a lot to keep track of. So, uh, we have, yeah, our, our retailers just purchase wholesale from us. Um, that's mostly through our Shopify store. I have a wholesale portal that I created, um, on our web store. So basically our wholesale customer, wholesale partners log in and they can purchase products at wholesale prices. Um, and yeah, and sometimes I'll invoice them. They'll email me and I'll, if it's a big order, I'll invoice them. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty, pretty simple arrangement. They mm-hmm. just reach out to me give me their resale ID, you know, send me a link to their website and I'll, kind of evaluate whether we're a good match um as far as our products and their aesthetic um and then we'll you know they'll place their first order and then see how it de- see how it does in their store and then they'll continue to place orders if, if it does well and are you, are you using some kind of app for the this uh, wholesale portal i use a combination of apps um the one app that i use for our wholesale portal is called give me one second uh it's called Locksmith. Um, so it allows you to password protect part of your site um, so that only people with uh, certain permissions can enter that part of your site. So all I have, all I do really is I go into Shopify, I'll enter a customer, or I'll go to an existing customer and, and tag them as a stockist, and people that are tagged stockist can log in. Mm. So once they log in, is it just like a list of products that they can order from you wholesale? Yes. Cool. So it just looks, I guess, not, not exactly the same, but it looks like a similar e-commerce store, the shopping experience. Um, I, I recently made it a lot more streamlined because we were adding more products to the section of the site. So basically I have, um, you know, I have one line and then I have a drop down using one of the um, apps product options by Bold um, so they can pick their uh, scent. So I can do vari- a combination of variations and then um, scent options. 
Now, you, you, you know, eventually, of course, opened up your Shopify store after the Etsy store. What spurred that, that decision? Like, What made you decide that even though I was having success on Etsy, you mm-hmm. got a lot of tra- attention from Etsy, from you know, retailers, from people that are buying from you like crazy during holiday season. Why not stick and focus on that rather than open, on, open up a, a new store? Um, well, I have both now. Um, you know, most of my traffic comes from Shopify. And I think you have so much more control uh, with your own e-commerce store. I actually started on, I, I tested out several different um, e-commerce, you know, uh, providers. Squarespace, which really didn't work out well. Um, and which is the other one, Big Commerce or some other commerce um, that didn't work out well either. Where really it, Shopify came into play was I, this is kind of where the, me trying to grow my business or a huge kind of thing that I did to help grow the business was, um, I did a Guilt City offer. Um, so basically, you know, Guilt City are these different subscribers. They have like millions of, of people that, you know, are subscribed to their emails and, and they email out a blast about deals and then which drives people directly to your website and they can enter this discount code. Um, and what kind of led me to end up doing Shopify is it, it enabled me to import um, like a hundred hundreds of discount codes without having to add them in uh, one by one. There is an app for that called bulk discounts, which is huge. So all I had to do is upload an Excel spreadsheet. So I ended up, you know, starting my Shopify and, and doing it over the course of like an all nighter, um, <laughs> creating the initial store. Yeah. So this, this was, uh, you're doing this because you also need to do it for the, that guilt city offer. Is that correct? Such a, you know, off the cuff thing. And then it ended up being the best thing for the business because I love kind of how I can just add different apps and anything I want to do. There's an app for it on Shopify. It's amazing. Now the Gil City offer. How did this set? How did you get this set up? Do you have to get approved for a deal? Can anyone sign up to offer a deal through Guilt City? Um, no, it, it's kind of like they are curators, so they have to select you. So I think I don't remember if they reached out to me or if I reached out to them. It was one one or the other, <laughs> obviously. Um, but you know, they they wanted to feature our. Um, you know, they kind of have a curated experience. So it's not just anyone. Um, and I think, you know, they cater to a certain, uh, kind of urban dwellers, um, you know, people looking for luxury type items, um, people looking for curated, um, experiences, um, brands, stuff like that. So, you know, I think we kind of fit into the profile of, of stuff they wanted to, um, sent it to their um, following. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was, I think that was important because we have that aesthetic. We have kind of a more high fashion aesthetic, which they were looking for. And was it a quick process? Like by the t- between the time they reached out for you the first time to the point where they, sh- they blasted out your, your deal to their huge audience. How long did that take? That took a while. Um, I think it was a couple of months. Um, when we first started talking. Um, so, you know, you, they have to, you have to send them lifestyle photography and they edit it. They have to go through it and decide what they want to feature on their, on your page. And then you have to kind of go through the contracts and 
the negotiations as far as, um, you know, they get a cut and you can kind of negotiate how much of a cut they get because it ends up not being a whole lot of, um, you know, because people come to your site and they basically enter a gift card code and they get it for free. And then what happens is guilt pays you a cut of that um, afterwards. So, um, you know, that ends up not being a whole lot, but then you end up getting like, you know, a thousand new subscribers and people learn about your brand and, um, you know, you could possibly get repeat customers and stuff. So it's kind of, kind of a good way to start. Yeah, that leads me to my next question. That's usually the the sometimes negative, um, I, guess the, I guess the complaints with working with deal sites, not just Guild City, but I guess the uh, living socials and Groupons of the world, uh, that they were saying, people were saying that, you know, you get all these kind of a huge influx of customers, but they aren't the type to necessarily repeat buy. Did you experience that with your, as well? Uh, definitely. I think um, a lot of people, you know, they, they only wanted the, the one-time deal, but they sent up for the, you know, the mailing list. And I could, if I sent out a blast that basically is the same deal later, you know, three candles for $50, I ended up making all of that. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, they, they respond to your deal. So if mm -hmm. they're on your email list and you have discounts or free shipping or a promotion, you know, they're the type of people who would react to that as well. So they they might not be as they 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 look for the deals because that's how they found out about you, uh, but you can always offer them deals and promotions after uh, that initial deal as well to bring them back to the store. If they're signed up for your mailing list, you know. Um, so the it's really the key thing is like them learning about your brand, um, telling other people about it, trying out your, you know, your whatever you're selling, and. Um, also, signing up for your mail, which is huge for e-commerce. Mm -hmm. did, did, now, did uh, Guilt, uh, I guess, coach you or suggest uh, the kind of offers or products that, that made the most sense for, for the business? Like, what was that curation process like? Um, you know, it's, it's more of a, uh, you kind of talk about back and forth. They select what they ideally would want for your product offering. Um, and you can say, you know, I can't work with those margins on this product and we, can we offer this higher margin product instead um or you could agree with them so it's kind of a back and forth um but they do the initial selection and you can kind of you know gear them towards other stuff that you would rather sell right makes sense okay so now at this point the the, the store etsy store is going the your personal store is going or your own store is going wholesale yeah. is going which one i guess is most important to to your business which one do you think is uh, if you had to focus on just one which one would you spend the most time on um wholesale by far um wholesale makes up probably about 85 percent of our business um and bulk orders during the holidays actually um for like corporate gifting and stuff I think, you know, because candles tend to be um, a big impulse purchase and kind of happens a lot at point of sale, um, you know, at, in stores, it's like last minute gift or, oh, you know, I, I need to get a candle today. I'm just going to go nearby. It, it, it tends to be because when you people order online, you can't smell it, it tends to be more of a process. So it's more people that have smelled our stuff before and like love it. And so they're just ordering more, they're restocking. Um, so, you know, our stores do really well with our candles. So it's, it's a lot easier to sell candles in person. 
Mm. And would you say that you, you probably wouldn't be able to go this route or could you go this route of going into retailers without having Etsy or your Shopify store? Could you do it without, without those two? Mm, I think you could, but you, you don't really, you're not as, you don't have as much validation. Um, you mm. know, I think the Shopify store, or at least my store, um, really makes you all, uh, retailers take it seriously. Um, but at this point we're in a lot of stores, we're in over 300, we're around the world. So I think that people have seen our product, So if we didn't have a website, they would be like, okay, I've seen your product. I can take you seriously, mm. but if you're just starting out. I don't think it's, it's really something that, yeah. you know, you, you want to make sure you have a website. Now, what about when we were talking about Etsy and your own store then? If you could go back and do it all over again, would you just start off with your own store or did you find value in starting with Etsy first? I think Etsy was great to start with because of that community um, and the fact that, you know, people leave reviews and they can favorite your items and they can kind of follow you and people see that. So people can kind of see, you know, how people are engaging with your shop. Um, and also the folks at SC are really great. You know, I have a great relationship with them. Um, since we're both Brooklyn based, um, they come to the studio sometimes I've taught them a class. They invite me to press events. Um, you know, it's, it, it was really great. And they feature my stuff in lots of different um, editor edited guides and um, Etsy finds and, and stuff like that. And they have Etsy wholesale as well. So, um, you know, buyers can find things and purchase things on Etsy by wholesale too. So I think Etsy was really great to start out with, um, you know, but once people knew about a brand and we're searching it, it's, it's really nice to have something, you know, where I can control the assets. I can control how the product pages look. I can control the metadata, um, and you know, people aren't going to be like, Oh, I got this on Etsy. They're going to be like, I got this on brooklyncandlestudio.com, mm -hmm. which is a branded thing. Right now, how do you know when that moment has happened where you, where it makes sense to, you know, keep your Etsy store, but also opening up your own store? What would you recommend to other people that are on Etsy and are thinking about opening up their own store? What's that critical point where either traffic or sales, what are you looking at? What, what would you recommend they look at to determine, okay, now it's time to devote some of my you know attention towards creating my own store? Um, I think she, people should do it you know, instantly, because if, especially if you are doing a lot of wholesale sales, because, you know, for buy, if a buyer asks for information, um, and you, you want to be like, oh yeah, my store is www.soandso.com, uh, because that's, that's kind of a more pure brand, um, I think, in my opinion, um, and you can really represent your brand across all facets from typography to all the imagery and so I think always do a Shopify store and in tandem with an Etsy store. Um, I think also, um, you know, I work with a bunch of different um, shops that kind of are like drop shipping shops, but not really like they kind of link to your products and um, like spring. I don't know if you've heard of spring, they're a shopping app um, and they curate a bunch of fashion brands. And basically if you, you can place an order in spring and it goes through to your Shopify store. So there are a lot of apps that can help you, um, kind of spread the word about your brand as well. Mm, so Spring, is that that's an, uh, an app for shoppers to browse and buy things and then it goes to your Shopify store if someone purchases it through Spring? Yeah, so um, Spring integrates with, and this is 
spring is not the only shop that does. There's like Pop Map, there's Spring, there's Cows. There's a bunch of different um, shopping apps, you know, for your iPhone or your iPad, where people can kind of scroll down and their credit card is connected to um, to the app, and so people can just click on the item they want and purchase it. And what happens is, um, if it's integrated into your shop, um, the it's not like with other drop shipping, shipping sites, you have to go through to their portal and then you have to do whatever processes they have. You just kind of fulfill the order as you would your own. Um, so that it just makes things easier if you have a cert certain workflow in place. I don't like to work with any drop shipping sites, um, you know, with my products unless it just integrates. And so they take 10%. So it's not like they take 50%. They take 10% of all their sales, but mm -hmm. they can offer a lot of products. Gotcha. Now you mentioned this a few times already about the the value of photography for your business. Now, did you were you are you like a photographer? Did you do it all in house? Like, how how did you get started with taking you know amazing product photos for for your your, your products? Um. Yeah, I studied. Um. I'm not. A, I wouldn't call myself a photographer. Um. But I have always. I've done a lot of it. Um. I probably am a photographer some degree, but I'm not, I'm not like, anyway, uh, I studied, uh, photo styling, photography, uh, took a bunch of courses. I studied, uh, of graphic design and, um, a bunch of different aspects of art direction. Um, I also worked as an art director in, in the corporate fashion world, um, and as a designer. So, um, yeah, I've, I had a lot of experience with photography, um, from school, from design school and from my job. Um, and so, yeah, that was really huge. And I, I, I did a lot of research on that stuff. Um, and I think also through a lot of trial and error, if you're, you know, if you have an internet connection, you can kind of just put up product photos and see if people respond to them. Um, it's also very important for social media, um, for all the different assets on the site from your, um, your hero images to your product images. And this is kind of like, these things market themselves. You know, if you have beautiful photography, if you're not a photographer, hire a photographer. Super important um, and a stylist if possible. Um, because this stuff gets pinned on Pinterest and it gets, you know, shared and it, the links get sent around and kind of, you know, covers the Internet. And you need to make sure you're presenting things in a, a beautiful light. Um, I think that's the most important part of an e-commerce store, really. Mm. Now, once you have these amazing photos, where do you where do you find most traction in in sharing? You mentioned Pinterest before. Is that where you try to get all of your your photos up? Uh, yes. Um, I'm not. I haven't been amazing lately, but um, yeah, I try to I try to upload everything to Pinterest, link it back to the site. Um, I've done a lot of Pinterest advertising around the campaigns that I am most proud of. Um, I released the line last year. Um, and I did these um, really cool kind of uh, botanical-styled photos. They're they're like botanical still lifes. Um, and I I ended up pinning that um, and paid for I I promoted that pin, um, did a paid promotion, and it's gotten. I mean, we get so much Pinterest tra uh, traffic now um, after the promotion because it's been pinned so much. Mm, do you remember how you had the Pinterest uh, ad set up? Not exactly. I just uh, kind of went to promoted pins and, um, you know, if you set up a business, a Pinterest business account, you can kind of say the target audience, the different keywords you want people to look for and, and stuff like that. So I don't remember exactly what mm -hmm. I, I 
I remember it was very kind of like, I do everything very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Action is definitely important more than trying to be academic about it. Uh, Now, any any tips for people that aren't, you know, maybe they do have a, a nice camera or they, but they've never done product for, photography before. Uh, what what tips do you have to recommend for people that aren't great photographers or just don't feel, I guess, creative to to take the kind of photographs that you're talking about? I think that you don't necessarily need a very complicated lighting setup. Like you just need to be by a window and get the natural light. Um, I think that's that's very important. You can create really beautiful photos that way. Um, and you can just get any white paper, you know, create a, a white seamless backdrop and, um, put your product in front of it. Um, make sure you have a really nice camera. Like don't just use your iPhone cause it, it kind of distorts things in weird ways. Um, I would say I have a Canon 60, um, and I just bought it refurbished on Canon.com. Uh, and I think your lens is also very important. I have a, uh, 50 millimeter, uh, a prime lens, uh, and that allows me to kind of create either, um, like this really ethereal effect, um, in my photos. I think that's an important product photography lens. There's also 35 millimeter, which is a good, a good lens, but you know, do some basic research, Google, uh, product photography. I think you can find some good information on it and just do a lot of trial and error and talk to someone who's kind of, you know, after you take your photos, show it to someone that has kind of a discerning eye and, and be like, yeah, hi, are these, what do you think about these? Are these, you know, what do you buy this? Um, because, you know, not everyone has the eye for this stuff. If not everyone can hire someone. So, you know, try to get help where you can. Mm. Now, when you when you sit down to, I guess, compose your product photos, your lifestyle shots, what what kind of conscious decisions do you do you make to to improve, I guess, the uh, the, the visuals of the the product photo? Um, I do a kind of a lot of styling, so I like to incorporate a lot of botanicals, um, and I think my my. I found through Instagram that my audience really responds to that. So flowers and plants and, and stuff like that. Um, people really love- How'd you know that? How'd you know that your audience would respond well to that? Um, well, I, I kind of, I track my Instagram engagement. So whenever I post stuff with flowers or plants and then people like, you know, go crazy. Mm. <laughs> so we tend to get a lot more likes and, and um, engagement when I post something like that. So, you know, I try to, try to do that across all channels um, for lifestyle photography. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, incorporating gold, incorporating, I like to do a lot of aerial shots or lay downs as people call them. Um, so I, it's a lot of experimentation. I, I take a lot of, of shots and I kind of art direct them. I, I narrow them down. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an idea of how successful the business is today? Um, yeah, we are in, you know, it's, it's a point, at the point where I can't even update my stock list because we just keep adding people. So it's like, um, we're probably in over 400 stores at this point, uh, around the world. We're in over like 20 countries, um, from France, Italy, uh, Germany, the UK, we're in China, we're in, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore, um, all over the U.S., and so that's very awesome. We're also, we also um, sell to major retailers. We have a good partnership with West Elm. Um, we're in 12 different West Elm stores, West Elm market stores, uh, Whole Foods, 
Um, we have sold with Urban Outfitters before um, and a bunch of really amazing um, independent retailers too. So um, when you go after these bigger players like Whole Foods and Urban Outfitters, are they, were they reaching out to you or did you have to go through? They all reached out to me. Um, all the West Lawn buyers reached out, the Urban Outfitters reached out and Whole Foods reached out. That's awesome. Um, now, when you're working with them, is it any different than working with independent retailers or is the process uh, more involved? Definitely a lot more involved. <laughs> yeah. So we work with, yeah, with them and, and Ann Taylor and Inc. Um, and Diesel. So really big companies. They just have a lot of documentation that you have to follow. I think it's a legal thing. Um, but all of them have literally like 200 pages of... Wow or more pages of, you know, logistics that you have to follow and certain ways of labeling your products. Um, you know, you have to have UPC codes for Whole Foods. That was a whole process. Um, and yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of different requirements. Um, they send you official POs, so you need to invoice them a certain way. Um, so it's definitely a lot more involved and I, I don't know that the average person <laughs> would be able to work with these people, with these big it's so complicated. Um, there's so many things that can go wrong. But, um, you know, it's definitely once you've done the more complicated ones, like urban, uh, it, other ones become a little bit easier, I think, you know, because they have a lot of parallels. So. Mm-hmm. Now, are you, you're still not making these outside, out of your home, are you? These candles? <laughs> not, not, no, no, no. <laughs> that was, we almost got evicted. Uh, for me doing <laughs> the entire building must have uh, smelled like candles yeah yeah that was that was not a good experience no i have two studios now um up in sunset park um we started we had a 500 square foot studio that we worked out in for about a, a year and a half and and then you know it was time to the people next door be uh, moved out so we took over that studio too so i'm and i'm still looking to expand into a bigger space because we're kind of <laughs> building yeah. out of those spaces too. So, so how, how big is the team now? How many people do you have working in, in the studios? Um, I have four full timers right now. Um, so they do all the production. I still am managing like all the other hats. Um, and then we have two, um, two people that come in as needed. So when we are really, really crazy, they come in um, and it will help out. And sometimes I work with a temp agency and we'll add more help as needed. So, um, you know, we have the, our four, our four core team, you know, doing all the work. And then when things get crazy, we have additional help. Plus me. Yeah. <laughs> when you do hire from a temp agency or hire someone part-time for the seasonality, how do you ramp them up? How do you get them into, you know, ready to work mode as quickly as possible? Um, you know, that was a big challenge this year, especially since, um, you know, this was a really, it was a really big year for us. We doubled all our sales from, um, from 2014 or 2015 and 2016. And we're like on track to double those sales this year. Um, but so we, I didn't anticipate the craziness of the holiday season. I was also, you know, when the holiday season started, I was like nine months pregnant. Um, and I gave birth in the middle of our busiest time of year. Um, so that was really, really stressful and insane but um so i basically i had i hired people um i used craigslist uh and posted ads on craigslist for job offerings job offers um sorry job job advertising did did a lot of um interviews um and 
I work in production. I do a lot of, we do a lot of production. So I have people come in for like trial days, mm-hmm. um, paid trial days, come in for like one day and work with the team. Um, and we kind of evaluate if they're fast enough or, you know, if they're, cause we, we it's kind of like a small open space. So people kind of work together a lot. So this person has to be, you know, easy to get along with, uh, since everyone's in such close quarters. Um, so we'll do a trial day, which is important because you need to see how the person works. And then from there, kind of narrow, narrow it down. So, um, the temp agency, you know, that's, that's pretty, t- that was pretty tough. We, we went through some interesting people that came to work for us and for like two days it just didn't work out. Um, I wouldn't work with them again. Um, we had, they sent a couple of people that were great and that we kept throughout the holiday season, the whole holiday season, but we had to go through like six different people that were like totally wrong for the job. Like one person didn't even speak English. So <laughs> I don't think I would recommend that route. Honestly, I, I think that if I was not pre- super pregnant, I would have interviewed people off of Craigslist myself. Um, for yeah. So now, nowadays, now that you have a team of people helping you out, where do you focus most of your time on a day-to-day basis? Um, so I do everything else that's not production. Um, I do customer service. I invoice our wholesale customers. I answer questions about, um, you know, our brand and I do all of the press questions and interviews and stuff like that. Um, also do all our creative assets, our email designs, our website stuff, photography or social media. Um, so I mostly focus on creative direction, um, and customer service. Um, so which are two very important areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an accountant, um, so I am able to outsource that. Uh, but I, I, no, I actually do a lot of our account. I use QuickBooks, which makes things easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I just do everything else. that's not production. It's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> awesome. So Brooklyn Studio.com is the website. Uh, where do you want to see the business go next? You know, I, I love introducing new stuff. I, I kind of want to just keep expanding into new markets, um, you know, do a lot more cool collaborations. Um, you know, I'm, right, I'm working on a couple of really interesting ones right now, one with um, with different unnamed big retailers, mm. um, kind of doing some custom sense and stuff like that. So just, you know, being able to grow my team, um, you know, offer more opportunities to my current team um, and come out with, you know, great sense and great, you know, products for people to, to enjoy. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Felix. Here's a sneak peek of what's in store for the next Shopify Masters episode. So we have to be careful with our content online marketing. We, we had a lot of banner ads turned down because of the content. So we really had to craft our marketing so that it was palatable. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.